All right, welcome, everyone. It is time for the final episode of 2022 of The Point of Pittsburgh, the podcast. Uh, I am your co-host, Kevin Cray. And I'm Steve Dimaselli. I, I was... I thought you might have stroked out again, like you forgot your name again, like we did the last time. No, 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 no. I like how we stopped doing bits to start the show. That was, uh, we, we, we managed to like keep that going for like, what, five episodes at most. And we're like, nah, we're just gonna, we're just gonna roll with it. We're just gonna go right into the show. I think we've realized we are our own biggest distractions. I, that is a good point. That is really a good point. So um, for those of you that were wondering, though, we actually did script a couple of them, but it sounded very, very, like, scripted, ragged, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Did not work. No, no didn't, didn't work, work at all. All right, well, let's uh, just kind of dive into it here. And um, I'm looking over the rundown, and it looks like it is your turn on the couch for the safe space. So I am absolutely 100% tired of people that drive trucks and vehicles that are too big for them to handle. A little bit of background noise, and this is always an irritation of mine, but a little bit of background here. My wife and I were in Southern California last week, uh, enjoying our time Last night in Los Angeles, some idiot with a giant Chevy Silverado backs into my wife, uh, or not my wife, excuse me, that sounded way worse than it actually was. My wife is fine, backed into my wife's car, okay? So um, I was walking back from, uh, the, uh, the, from, from refilling my beverage, and my wife had a seat facing the car anyway, so we literally both watched this happen, so... Of course, I set the drink down. I go sprinting out of the ra- restaurant, yelling expletives down Sepulveda Boulevard in Los Angeles at this idiot um, after he just, like, jacked into our car. Um, it was uh, – it just – it's so incredibly frustrating, um, you know. But on a pl- on the plus side, though, is I got to walk in – walk back into the restaurant because we hadn't eaten yet – and see the faces of everybody else that was in the restaurant as they looked at me after having watched me and heard me yell, you know, um, stuff that would have gotten my uh, my mouth washed out with soap uh, on A Christmas Story if that were the actual, uh, you know, movie that I was a part of. But uh, it was, um, you know, it was it was. It was a sight to see, I'm sure, for anybody watching, and and but it was also pretty, pretty funny going back in. Uh, no, no, I don't, I don't want any more Christmas, Christmas cookies. cookies. Hang, Hang on. on, I think Steve's, Steve's almost, almost done. done. He's, He's talking about LA, LA or, something. or something. Hang on, Steve. Steve uh, I, I also, also like, like LA, LA Confidential. Confidential. I think I it was, was a, a criminally underrated, underrated movie. movie. Probably should have won a few more awards. So I agree with you. I hear you. And I, I see you. Well, at least you got a little something right this time. Mm-hmm. I do I love that movie. that movie. You are correct. Sure. Well, all right. So, so where do you want to start, start with, with uh, the world of our, our favorite, favorite Buccaneers, Buccaneers that we just can't, can't seem to quit? They are, are I, I don't know. Are, um... I would say, uh, I mean, we might as well go in chronological order. So why don't we start with Austin Hedges? Uh, yes. 
Austin Hedges, also known as the Jeff Mathis of the 2020s. The Pirates surveyed the landscape. They scoured far and wide, and they had to try to find the one guy who would make us all wish that they actually re-signed a broken-down Roberto Perez. And they found him in Austin Hedges. Now, everyone's going to start crowing from the mountaintops that Austin Hedges is has the most defensive run saved since 2015 when he debuted. But I look at his weighted runs created plus of 49, and holy cow, does that make me very, very sad. And all for the low, low price of $5 million? Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, he got the same amount of money, which, I mean, $5 million this year is like, you know, two and a half million last year, it feels like. But um, yeah, I mean, if if you wanted to make Tyler Heineman look good at the plate, I mean, this was the signing for you. Um, again, it's still a transitional piece. I, I mean, he's going to be a guy that's very, very easily going to be moved aside um, when it does come time for, uh, you know, one of the uh, prospect catchers to move up, presumably going to be ND first, I would think. Um but he's going to be easy to move aside, and and he's a fine backup catcher, and $5 million is, in the reality of today's Major League Baseball, is a fine amount of money to pay a backup catcher. Um, but, I mean, he is going to be, they are going to be looking to him to, to I'm sure, carry the weight um, and, and, and do the bulk of the, the, the duties behind the plate for the first um, couple months of the season until we get past the uh, Super 2 shenanigans um but that being said uh, again he's he's a transitional piece i'm not going to get up at arms about it i think there were a lot of people on social media that got real 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 salty about this signing um but i mean you just got to take it for what it is it's just it's 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 temporary it's it's just going to be um you know it's it's going to be something to get this the bucks through the first part of the season I, I agree with you that, you know, everything is just kind of keeping the seat warm for the arrival of the prodigal sons, Andy Rodriguez and Henry Davis. But it, I guess what, what frustrated me is just what you sort of said is that there's almost like, and there, there has been for a very long time, there's two pirate seasons in every season. There's pre-Super 2 deadline, and then there's post-Super 2 deadline. And you just, it just frustrates me to no end that we have to have all these stop gaps. And we're going to be talking about another one coming up here soon. But it's like, okay, once June is here, or once we trade this guy in July, then we can bring up and wait to see, you know, player X. And that's just really, really, really frustrating um, to have to say that. I mean, I would just love to harken back to those days when, of the 25-man roster on the, on, on April 1st, 20 of them you knew were going to be there with reasonable certainty for a, a large chunk of the season, injuries notwithstanding. Um, I mean, I just look at Hedges, and my dude hasn't even hit over the Mendoza line for average, and I know, since 2018. I, I mean, he's, he's going to be 30 years old next year, and I get it. He's going to mentor the staff. 
He's going to have that Russell Martin, you know, vibe of, of making everyone just a little bit better and, and, you know, stealing a pitch or two here or there. I get that. And if he's cool with being Andy Rodriguez's mentor or Henry Davis's mentor when they come up in the second half of the year, then yes, I am fine with it. Um, but man, that is really a dead bat. Really a dead bat. So if he makes them better catchers in the long run or helps them to become better catchers in the long run, I mean, do you think it's worth it? Yes, yes absolutely. But, but man, man, is it going to be grim. grim. That's, that's my feelings too. It is going to be grim in April and May. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's, there's, there's not going to be a lot of, of offense coming from the, the nine hole of the lineup at this point. Um, it's, it's interesting it's going to be like they have a pitcher in the lineup again. Yeah. yeah. It, let me put it this way to you. There's going to be a game or two where they're going to have to inject more offense late in the game at the catcher position, and they're going to have to turn to Tyler Heineman. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, going to be, uh, it's going to be real ugly. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to... Uh, uh, one that I am, I am uh, enthused, enthused by, and it's and not it's just because it's a player that, that um, is roughly the same age as me and you, uh, and that is Rich Hill. <laughs> you had a great, you had a great tweet, made me laugh. You said this is probably going to be the last year where there's going to be a pirate older than me on the roster. Yeah, he doesn't have me beat by a whole lot, but I mean, he is older than I am. Uh, by about a year and a half, I want to say. So, I mean, I I thank you, Rich Hill. I thank you, Rich Hill, for making me feel young for a little bit longer. You know, the 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 dream of maybe becoming a major league pitcher, I can still I can still hang on to it. Now, I think my ship has sailed at this point. But, um, yeah, I, he's a really really interesting player in the sense that he has been very effective. Um, in short amounts of innings, uh, you know, recently. So, I, I mean, he's he's carrying a decent ERA, and he's got a good return as far as F4 goes. Uh, as far as um, this year's free agency crop goes, one year for $8 million. Uh, if he produces at the same level that he produced last year, that's an absolute steal in this market. Um, yep, yep. You know, I, I mean, that being said, he is going to be 43 for this season. So I wouldn't expect him to, to be able to maintain that level. But even if he's, a, you know, 100, and, 100 innings, 1.2 F4, somewhere in that neck of the woods, I mean, that's still a really, really good deal at $8 million. Do you want to hear something, something crazy? crazy? Last year... Was, was the, the first, first year, year he had an ERA, ERA over four, four since 2013. 2013. You know, you know he's, he's he's been, been a, in these past few years, years he pretty, pretty much peaked in 2016. 2016. He had a 3.9 war. But really, he's been delivering uh, pandemic shortened season notwithstanding. He's been d- delivering you about 1.7 to 2.3 war pretty consistently. And that's good for a number four pitcher. That's you should be satisfied with that from your number four. And he's, and he's a guy. guy. Now this, now is, this the is the part, part where, where I, I kind of want to 
take a quasi-victory lap for both you and I. Um, we, in episode one, maybe episode two, we were talking about, okay, they got to sign some dudes to stabilize this rotation. Now, they didn't sign any of the dudes that we wanted. Um, but they did sign guys. And all these guys are guys that are seasoned. They've at least been around winning teams. And they can you know, try to mentor some of these younger pitchers and hold down the fort way more reasonably than what they were trotting out there in 2022. And there's a lot to be said, like when... You know, we've been talking about the same guys, the Luis Ortiz's, the Quinn Priesters, the Mike Burroughs. When those dudes are ready to come up here, whether it's June, July, or, or whatever, you have no problem just telling Vince Velasquez and Rich Hill, hey, thanks, guys, it's time for you to, you know, have some sunflower seeds and hang out in left center field until we need you. And, and that's, that's fine. And, they, and they've provided you quality innings. I'm of the opinion that this moves Vince Velasquez to the bullpen already. I don't think he's going to be a starter. I think he's going to go into the season as the sixth guy. I think uh, I would be really disappointed if Oviedo didn't start in the in the rotation. That that, that Vince Velasquez, Velasquez hype video says otherwise. Yeah, I mean that's who remembers hype videos though, right? <laughs> Who remembers hype videos? They, you know, you you get you get a hype video one day, and then the next day you're sixth man in the rotation. All right, so here's here's, here's a fun little sidetrack. Uh, our man Rich Hill, nicknamed Dick Mountain, amazing, debuted in 2005. Now, just think about how different the world was. There was no social media outside of Facebook, and that was still mainly, you know, college kids showing off beer bongs and stuff. What what were you doing in 2005? I was in grad school in 2005. Um, I, was, uh, I was back at Duquesne in grad school for... Um, uh, for, for secondary education, um, and uh, was also, uh, I believe, working at the Summit Academy probably when he made his debut. So I was up with the, uh, the old delinquents up in, uh, up in Butler County. Actually, no, that would have been the year before. That would have been 2004. Um, I don't know, man. It's, 2005 was a long time ago, man. It's, it's hard to remember. Yeah, yeah. I, imagine I imagine he feels the same way about his Chicago, Chicago Cubs, Cubs days. days. <laughs> I wonder if he could name all the teams he's pitched for. Do you think he could name all the teams he he's pitched for? You think he remembers that one year in Baltimore? You think he remembers that one year in Baltimore of 2009 of 13 starts? I, I want to see that as like an in-between innings type thing. Like, you know how they interview all the, the people about different topics? I want the topic to be, Rich Hill, name all 12 teams you've pitched for in what, one minute or less. Yeah, that would be tough. I mean, uh, you know, to do them in order, I think. I think he'd get all 12 teams, but I don't know if he would be able to. Uh, I, I, I could see him getting the order wrong. And in, a, in another piece of news, Steve, 
The Pirates signed another reliever. Did you hear about this one? No, I actually didn't. Yeah, it's a guy named Harlan Garcia. Well, yeah, you know, no, we we talked about him already. Right, a month I mean, ago. They, they made the signing official. And they got <laughs> month... your boy Bryce Wilson. Yeah, it took. This guy was like in like witness protection program. He was like in Witsec for a month, and then they finally. Yeah, he was. They finally just announced it. It's the craziest thing. Can you remember a guy taking this long to be formally announced? I'm wondering if maybe there was something with the medical that they needed a, a little bit more time to evaluate. I mean, that's the only rational reason. I mean, uh, it's not like keeping Bryce Wilson around for a little <laughs> bit longer was going to like all of a sudden make it easier for him to get pushed through, you know, uh, through waivers. I mean, I, I think he'll probably get claimed in all likelihood. Um, but I, I just, I, yeah, I, I, I don't really quite get the rhyme or reason for it. And also in episode, episode one, one uh, Bryce Wilson, Wilson was one of my five, five to go. go. Off the forty-man list, so, so eventually, eventually I, I was right. Yeah, it took a little, it took a little time, but yeah. I mean, that dude like, sucks. I'm actually surprised by it. I thought they were going to keep him around. No, nah, nah, he's, he's garbage. garbage. So yeah, I mean, I didn't say he was garbage. I didn't say that he wasn't garbage. I just am surprised that they didn't, you know, try to keep him. I, you know, well, I mean, I'm sure they still do hope that he gets through waivers, but. You know, I, I can't be too disappointed by this one. All right. So, so as we sit here on the, on the precipice, precipice of, of completing another rotation, rotation around, around the sun, sun. How, do how do you feel about the 2023, 2023 Pirates, Pirates and the roster? Um, I, I, assuming that they're finished at this point, um, I don't hate it. I mean, it's it's considerably better than the one that they uh that it's better than the one they trotted out there last year. I mean, is this a competitive team? Absolutely not. This is not a competitive team. Um but it is one that is maybe trending in that direction. Uh w- some of the things that I like about it is they've obviously gone in hardcore on mentorship. We talked about Hedges doing that earlier in the show. Um you know, obviously you know Carlos Santana's coming in, uh, and he's supposed to, you know, bring big time, uh, intangibles as far as leadership goes. Uh, we also have, um, you know, and, you know, Rich Hill, I'm sure he's going to be, you know, I hope he's going to be a leader in the clubhouse. I hope that's part of the reason why they brought in an old geezer who's, you know, a year and a half older than I am, uh, in, um, but, you know, I, I, I think that there's, it, it, I think it's setting the stage for a better 2024 uh, and hopefully, you know, the players that they brought into the roster actually are able to impact beyond that by, you know, uh, making the players that are here better, helping them with their approach and all that good stuff. So, so this is what I've been telling people, people you, know, you know, whether it's whether guys at work or, or random, random homeless, homeless people that I talk to on the street. street. I've always been saying that 2023, you're going to start to see this critical mass of talent come up from the minors, and that the Pirates are going to be flirting. And I mean, like, from across the bar, I'm going to send you a drink, but not really actually talk to you, kind of flirting with the playoffs this year. And I firmly believe that in 2024, they're going to make the playoffs. Now, 
that's that's going to be that's not going to say that the Pirates are going to even have a winning record that they're going to end up with a winning record. But I think they're going to be competitive for a little bit longer than what people right now may be thinking. I don't know why, really, but that reminds me of the tweet that Jason Mackey set, put out middle of last week uh, where he basically said that the Pirates after this offseason are going to be shopping in a different aisle of the supermarket. I guess it wasn't a tweet as much as it was an interview at uh, the fan. But uh, that being said, it was a massive flashpoint in social media this past week, and I wanted to uh, chat about it. But before we go into that, I do want to say that I disagree. I think this is probably a 70-win team. I don't think they're flirting with anything. Um, But that being said, uh, I do think that's still a trend, you know, it's still a step in the right direction. Um, Maybe I shouldn't say a 70, I'm saying between 70 and 75 is where I think they'll end up in the win column this season. But um, but yeah, that was um, an interesting statement by Mackey for sure. Um, I, and it is it is encouraging because you watch all these other teams load up this offseason and you see the Pirates doing absolutely nothing. Um, and it's hard not to be a little bit concerned and wonder how are they ever going to keep up. But I'm glad to know that there is another supermarket aisle that they could be heading down, you know, next season and that maybe, uh, maybe they'll be shopping in a, in, in Whole Foods instead of, you know, Aldi, you know. I I think at this this point point, we guys kind of have to hope for Trader Trader Joe's. Joe's. I I mean, Whole Foods is, that, that's, that's, yeah, that's like like your, your premium agents, you know? Yeah, you're right. Good point. Good point. I'll take, I'll take some, some Trader Joe's anytime. So, I mean, I this mean, is right now, the pirates basically shop in like that, that weird vegetables and fruit store, store in the strip district, district that goes to other grocery stores and like, Hey, uh, do you have any fruit that's getting ready to expire in like two days? And they're like, uh, yeah, we got a whole bunch of it. And, and they say, well, we'll, we'll take it off your hands and then resell it in the strip district. That's kind of like where they shop right now. Yeah, I used to shop there all the time, though. I love that place. Oh, you can get great stuff there. If you want to get a piece of fruit or some vegetables and use it that day, it's a great place. Yeah, it's already ripe. It's even past ripe. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's intriguing that he said that. I don't know exactly what that looks like, because I think they still want to kind of figure out what they have this year. You know, mm-hmm. how, many how many of these guys, guys that we keep, keep talking about in the rotation, rotation plus, plus the, the, the Ronzi Contreras and the Oviedos of the world, um, how many of those guys are going to be for real? How many bullpen pieces do they need? But there's still like the white elephant in the room of Brian Reynolds. And, you know, we keep seeing these tweets that the Mariners are, are really hot on them and, you know, the, the, the Yankees, Yankees are interested in the Marlins, Marlins and, and I just, it doesn't, it doesn't make, make sense, sense to me. It never has made sense to me. If you're going to spend $8 million on Rich Hill and $5 million on Austin Hedges, you should be able to say, okay, we're going to spend $18 million on an actual good player in his prime. You know? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that sentiment. 100% and I I mean I think you really do need to try to keep him around beyond this season you know um I, I I think committing to 
you know, to, to that kind of money through arbitration is, is, is really important. I, I mean, I, I don't know if they're, I mean, it sounds like they're negotiating in good faith. It does sound like they are trying to, to make a deal work with him. It's just that the sides are just too far apart at this point. Um, you know, and again, that doesn't mean that the pirates are necessarily lowballing him. It's just they're not offering him the money that it's going to take for him to say yes. Uh, they're not getting to a yes, and I think ultimately that's the problem. Uh, but that being said, he's still worth keeping around at a discount for the next two seasons. They're, they're still going to get a better deal on him market value-wise than they would somebody in free agency if they are indeed on their way to shopping in a different grocery store that has products that aren't past due. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'd at I'd least like to, like to uh, you know, you and I have talked about this before on previous episodes. episodes. I'd, I'd keep, keep them, them and I'd, I'd see how this year's year going, going and I'd, I'd try, try to figure, figure out what, what the talent, talent level is coming up, up and try to get a, a look at that. And then, you know, if someone blows your doors off at the deadline in July, that's great. And if, you go into the off season in the winter and you're like, okay, Brian, here's the deal. You see what we got going on now. We're finally here. We're going to spend in 2024. You know, you see that we have a good rotation. You see these other pieces. O'Neill Cruz is doing his thing. Um, Andy Rodriguez debuted. So let's just cool it on the trade talk and let's, let's go into ARB three out of four and let's, let's do this in 2024. That's, That's what, what I, I would, would say, say to him, him and his agent. Hopefully. Hopefully. We'll, we'll see where that goes. No, I, I think that's a valid, uh, I think it's a really valid approach, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I do want to kind of change gears a little bit, um, you know, that, that kind of, uh, it goes along a little bit with what you were just saying, and that is I, I, I have to wonder if some of the wait and see that's going on right now with the Pirates if that's not the reason why they're not chucking multi-year deals at people, if they want to just, you know, see what they have this year and then maybe next year they're, um, you know, they're, they're looking at doing some kind of a two, three year deal with a free agent uh, to fill some of the holes that they are, are real sure that they have. Um, because even a guy like Jack Sawinski, I mean, he could end up being conceivably a decent cheap corner infielder. Um you know, I might as well give him a shot, though, this year. Why bother signing somebody to a three-year deal uh, when he might work out? You know, just as an example, you know, I think that that might have something to do with, with why they're maybe slow rolling some of these uh, multi-year deals. And maybe that's the different, maybe that's the different supermarket that we're talking about. Maybe that's, you know, the multi-year supermarket. Maybe that's where they're shopping. Yeah, I yeah, could I see, see that. that. I could see, see that. that. What, what else you got, got Steve? Steve? I got nothing. Yeah, yeah. me either. either. All, All right. right, how about a resolution? resolution. Let's, do Let's do that, that tired old trope. trope. What are, what are one, one to three resolutions, resolutions for the Pirates, the Pirates in 2023? Hmm. Interesting. I was going to I thought you were going to talk about personal resolutions. I was going to say I'm going to wear pants outside of the house more often. That was going to be my resolution for, for this year. But what do you think? And what would be your first resolution? Um, to, 
to try to reestablish some sort of bond with the fans. And no, I don't know what that is. But this, it's a it's an icy cold relationship between the fans and ownership. And yes, the Pirates are always going to be bottom five payroll as long as Bob Nutting owns the team. That is not going to change. But once a decade, and here we are, just like from 2013 to 2015, once a decade, the Pirates, if they are run correctly, can put together a two- to three-year window where they are a viable playoff team. And I firmly believe that in 2024, we're going to be entering that two- to three-year window. So they've got to do something. And making Vince Velasquez hype videos ain't it. I don't know what they can do, but they got to show some new commitment to the fans. Okay, I think that's fair. I, I would say my resolution for them would be to know what they are and know what they're trying to do a little bit more. And this might be a lead-in to a uh, a can that we've been kicking down the road because we've had enough news to talk about to fill these podcasts. But, I, you know, I, I think that they need to really fully establish uh, what their philosophies are at the major league level and and what are they going to do differently to give themselves a competitive edge because they're not going to win without a competitive edge consistently. Um, and you got to get creative. I mean, I think one of, you know, Neil Huntington to his credit, you know, did incredible work with shifting and, 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 and his folks implemented that very, very well. Um, but you got to get you got to find your money ball at the end of the day. If you're going to have that bottom five payroll that you were talking about, you got to do something a little differently than everybody else. So uh, you can't just um, you can't just draft your way out of it. You're never going to get over the hump if you are relying on just developing ter- talent internally. You got to figure something else something else out that other folks aren't doing that they're going to eventually copy on. Well, Steve. I wish wish you you a very happy happy New Year's Eve, Eve. and we will reconvene this uh, basement basement recording session in 2023, in early January. Uh, There's going to be tons of news to talk about, I'm sure, in January. There always is. So I don't know what we're going to do, but we'll uh, we'll vamp a little bit, and we'll figure it out. All right. Well, I am Kevin Cray. I'm Steve DiMaselli. And we will catch you uh, in the new year. Thanks.